Could the Pac-12 media deal really be all Amazon? And would Oregon and Washington need anything special in there to stick around? Let's go. Locked on Pac-12, your daily podcast on the Pac-12 conference. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Lockdown Pack 12 I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin. Thank you so much for making this your first listen or your first view of the day. Part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your number one source to stay up to date with our beloved Conference of Champions. Please continue to like, comment, subscribe wherever you listen to or watch this show. Thank you so much to everybody who has done so already. Today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs, helping you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. That's linkedin.com slash on college to post your job for free terms and conditions apply oregon state also had a great saturday night in las vegas in las vegas so that's that's how you pronounce that city i am indeed in sin city as i record this and no i have not been partaking too heavily too much work to be done and that is true for the pac-12 media deal as well and a couple questions came in. If you ever want a question answered, by all means, Twitter at Smalls underscore 55 or at LO underscore Pac-12. YouTube comments, you can ask me a question there as well and get it answered here on the show. Tebow49 asks, you think the Pac-10, Pac-12, will approve the TV rights if it's only Amazon? And I say, you know, Pac-10, Pac-12, there are 10 teams as of 2024. I expect that to change. But the other thing, too, is just because there aren't 12 teams doesn't mean they won't keep the name Pac-12. It's less important than, you know, Big 10, Big 12, because they are the only one that's got Pac in the name. But the question there is an interesting one. Would they take the media rights deal if it was only from Amazon? I think they would if Amazon offered the right price, but I do not expect... I do not expect Amazon to be the sole broadcast partner for the Pac-12 in their next media rights deal. And the reason is something I've talked about on on the show here before is Pac-12 After Dark. And giving Pac-12 After Dark flack from a media rights perspective is simultaneously valid and short-sighted. The reason is that That is a value that the conference has that it can add to any media rights negotiation with a network or streaming partner that nobody else can really add. You can't put a team in the 10 o'clock Eastern window from the SEC, from the ACC, and for the most part from the Big 12. But you can do it in the Pac-12 and they draw a heck of a lot more viewers than the Mountain West. And it's not particularly close. That's the only geographical conference that could put a team in that late window. Now, what teams and what matchups you put late at night when not as many people but still a hefty number are watching compared to some other college football leagues around the country that is something we can openly debate. And I think it's fair to ask, like, why is this game being played here? Why is this game there? Why is this game here? 
I think that is a 100% fair thing to ask. I know Washington fans have a certain level of frustration of, well, they were playing late at night too much, which number one, when they're at home, diminishes the value of Husky Stadium, which is they're right on the water. And it's this beautiful, majestic view and a great site for for the Pac-12 as a whole. And number two, they kind of feel like, well, why didn't Michael Panix get closer to the Heisman conversation this year? Is it because he wasn't getting enough exposure? Is it because Washington wasn't marketing him enough? I think it's a lot more the former than the latter. So that that's something that the Pac-12 is going to incorporate. I don't anticipate that going anywhere. I do hope it's, you know, maybe structured a little differently when you're talking about the matchups and which teams and which games and how flexible you can be moving the matchups because what you might think is a good game before the season might not be a good game or as intriguing of a matchup by the time, you know, four or five weeks have gone by, right? Arizona State with Herm Edwards could have been good this year because they were an eight and five team last year. And Oregon State was a pretty good team last year. So you look at, you know, the schedule ways out and say, oh, yeah, let's put them on ESPN two midday late in the year. That'll be a good game. <sighs> not so much. Oregon State kind of rolled them. Wasn't that intriguing of, of a matchup because of where the Sun Devils program was at. So, I think that component caters itself very heavily towards having a, a more traditional media partner. An ESPN, a Fox, maybe CBS gets gets in there. I'd be pretty surprised. I think ESPN is the most likely cable TV channel partner to, to have for the Pac-12. But that doesn't mean that Amazon is out of the picture. I, I think Amazon is very much in the picture because if they want to, well, the Pac-12 is the only conference that's that's really left at the moment to start as of 2024. Everybody else has already set their media rights deal. So that, again, is an advantageous situation for, for the Pac-12, depending on how much they would offer. I think they would only go, to, to answer your question directly, specifically and strictly to Amazon, as in that's the only place you can watch Pac-12 football, is if you're an Amazon Prime subscriber. I think they would only do that if Amazon offered a lot. And I, I mean, it would have to be a lot, a lot, because the value of being on cable television, I think is still pretty darn high. And ESPN may not be willing to offer what the Pac-12 wants to, given that USC and UCLA are are leaving. And this is, of course, potentially pending any expansion. And boy, I tell you, Fresno State made quite a case beating Washington State in the LA Bowl. We'll get to that game a, a little bit later in the pod. But I, I do think for the right price, they would go exclusively to Amazon. Because at the end of the day, your number one priority for George K, the commissioner, is keep the league together. Your best chance of doing that is to get the most money possible. So if you're looking at a per school media rights payout, let's just say they stuck with 10 teams for you know simplicity purposes here. If they stuck with 10 teams and they went to Amazon and said, what are you willing to offer us for these 10 teams to be the exclusive broadcast partner of the Pac-12 conference for, for football and uh, you know maybe men's basketball? But let's, let's say it's just for football. If they come back and, and say, we'll give you $43 million per school, per year. And a deal that is a hybrid of ESPN and Amazon only gets you like 37, 38, or 35, somewhere in there, then they would go to Amazon. However, that doesn't seem particularly likely. It's not impossible. It, it, it still could come to fruition. But what the most likely situation here appears to be is an ESPN and either Amazon or Apple streaming partner because 
that's a way for the pack, whatever you want to call it, to direct, to differentiate itself. And it's in that unique position where, you know, Apple dipped its toe into major league baseball this year, Amazon Thursday night football. They want to continue to go in that space. That's what the indications are. And the PAC 12 is the most readily available, most viable streaming partner for them to work with. So I, I do anticipate Amazon being involved, but unless Amazon comes to them and just says, look, we, we will offer, you know, not whatever you want, but way above what you would get if you were with ESPN at all, so that we can be the only place where your fans can watch our football games, then that that's the only bargaining situation where I can foresee the Pac-12 exclusively being with Amazon and nobody else. In those negotiations, there is a question about a potential mm, little bit of favoritism towards one or two schools who are important to keep the league together from a brand and media market standpoint. But if you're going to keep your small business together, you got to be able to make the right hires. And to do that, you need LinkedIn jobs. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn jobs, helping you find the right people for your team faster and for free. Go in there, create a free job post in minutes, which is easy. Add the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you are hiring. Small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. That's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. So another question came in, and I love mailbag questions, by the way. They've been sprinkling in more and more as I've been hosting the show, and I love answering your questions because I want you to feel like you're a part of the show because without all of you, there is no show. It's just me talking into a camera here and a microphone, of course. Um, AMAC asks, are Oregon and Washington going to demand a larger share than other teams? This is a very fascinating question. And I, without having any first, second, or even third-hand knowledge, can pretty reasonably assume that this conversation has come up more than a couple times. Here, here's the, the dichotomy that's in play with, with Oregon and Washington. Since 2015, there was a, a study done in The Athletic that was very well done by Stuart Mandel, who's a great college football reporter. And he looked at which teams had the highest level of viewership in the Pac-12, excluding USC and UCLA games. And Oregon was first, and Washington was third. So it's interesting that this question comes in about those two schools. Not surprising, because I think from a national brand standpoint, given that those are the only two Pac-12 schools to have ever made the college football playoff, amongst other things, those are probably the most important teams remaining in the league at this point in time. But Stanford was second. Stanford was above. I know. I was surprised by it too. But Seattle is now one of the bigger media markets. I, I suppose the Bay Area is probably technically bigger than Seattle. I don't have the numbers in front of me, frankly. But Seattle, Bay Area, those are your two biggest media markets remaining in the conference, which you do need because you need to be, need to be able to put eyeballs on the television screen. So 
would Oregon and Washington, you know, go in and say, hey, if you're going to stop us from going elsewhere, we need to get a higher share of this because we are two of the more valuable schools and right now two of the most successful programs. And Stanford, you know, is in a rebuilding state, but still they attract a, a pretty good number of viewers. Here's the other side of that coin. That conversation could realistically take place. I 100% believe that. But the thing you have to consider is whether or not Oregon and Washington have any legitimate leverage in, in making that point if they're able to. Like, can Oregon and Washington really come to the table and say, if you don't give us more than the other schools because we need this amount of dollars to feel like we can stay competitive on a national scale, then we're going to seek out our options elsewhere. Well, what would those options be? Because the Big Ten had every opportunity to come after more Pac-12 schools. Ultimately didn't pull the trigger. Their commissioner has kind of been in the department or in the area of we might expand again one day, but right now we're good. So the only other conference, if the Big Ten is not looking to add more teams, that Oregon and Washington could go to the Pac-12 and say, we're going to explore the potential of going here if you can't make this happen for us, would be the Big 12. But is the Big 12 a massive upgrade without Oklahoma and Texas compared to the Pac? My argument is no. And when you look at the caliber of teams and the viewership that they draw and the media rights payouts that they get from their conference, and they just negotiated a deal that's around uh, you know, 40 to $45 million per year per school. If the Pac-12 can get in that ballpark, then going to the Big 12 is not going to be that much of an appeal because they've got four new teams coming in as well. And, and I've seen a lot of you having conversations in the YouTube comments, which I love, by the way, because some of you have some really, really great thoughts and interesting ideas. Some of you are just on there to troll, and that's okay. But I've seen people discuss very fairly about how, well, if you add a bunch of teams, you're diluting the pool. That's perhaps a full-length conversation for another day, but there is some inherent truth to that, that if you add four teams, then they're going to take a slice of the pie. Even if it's a smaller slice, it's still a little bit more. So how do those numbers all exactly work out? So the only leverage Oregon and Washington could have is if the big them. And at this point in time, there's no indication that they're, you know, just inches away from pulling a deal and all Oregon or Washington would have to do is say, oh yeah, we're going to leave. We're going to go to the big 10. And then, then it would just materialize. There have been no reports about that. I'm sure Oregon and Washington are interested in going to the big 10, but the big 10 has to be interested in them too. It's not a one-way street. You know, it, it's not like, it's like joining a country club. Some clubs are relatively easy to get into. You basically just have to apply and have enough money and show yourself to be a good person that people want to be around. Other clubs, eh, they're a little bit tougher. You got to have sponsors. You got to go through an approval process. It can take many years and you have to make the club interested in you just as you are interested in the club. Well, if Oregon and Washington are interested in going to the Big Ten, the conference has to be interested in them or else Oregon and Washington have really nowhere to go. So to bring it back to this question, if the Big Ten starts to express real interest, 
in the Ducks and the Huskies, then yes, they could go to the Pac-12 and say, hey, they have some some interest in, in having us in their conference over there, and they're going to offer this much. We'd maybe like to stay, but we need more than a typical school because we are mathematically more valuable. Now, whether or not Stanford would insert themselves in that conversation, given their TV value, a little bit up in the air. They don't feel like they'd be as aggressive on that front. Just kind of hasn't been their MO. But would they have the bargaining power to do it from a TV viewership standpoint? The numbers indicate that the answer to that question is yes. But if there's no, you know, if you're going to, I don't know if blackmail is, is, is the exact right term, but if you're going to play that sort of game as Oregon or Washington, you, you have to be willing, you know, you can't go in there and bluff. Like Oregon and Washington are not going to say, yeah, we've got interest from the Big Ten. They're going to do it, so you, so you better pay us more. Well, if they call your bluff and you're sitting there with, you know, the two of clubs and the seven of diamonds when you were acting as if you had pocket aces, that's not going to go as well for you and you won't get what you want. So definitely interesting and great question. Great, great, great question, AMAC. Keep them coming. All right. Two bowl games in the books. Many more to go. Let's start with the one that did not go quite as well for the Pac-12, but I did not expect it to. And both of these games, frankly, I thought Washington State would keep it a little bit closer, but both of these games played out roughly how I thought they would, which means through two bowl games with five more to go, the Pac-12 is in a good place. And I've talked about here on the show the importance for the Pac-12 to capitalize on what has been an exceptional regular season. Great conference championship game where you had USC get in there and it was a big stage and Caleb Williams won the Heisman and you have six teams in the top 25 and you've got six or five teams with with nine or more wins. You could have five 10-win teams in the conference plus Washington State. And just a couple thoughts on the Cougars. I don't think this is an indictment of Jake Dickert. I don't think this is, you know, cause for concern going forward if you're Washington State. They have questions to answer, but those questions are who's your next offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator going to be? Losing one of those guys would have been enough to derail your chances in a game in addition to the opt-outs and transfers that they had, Dejon Stribling, Dane Henley. But losing both coordinators, I don't know if I've ever seen that before. I I, I don't. So when that got announced, my reaction was, yeah, that's just not going to be (laughs) – that's not going to be easy for Washington State. It's not going to go well. Fresno State is rolling. They won nine games down the year. They started one and four. Jake Hayner got hurt a little bit. Backup wasn't as good. Ended the season, Mountain West champs, and they're 10 and four which makes that win for Oregon State, who I'm going to talk about in in just a moment, look all the more impressive because Hayner did play in that game and it was a 35-32 final down in Fresno. feels like that was a lifetime ago, and yet it was just a couple months ago. But I I don't think Washington State fans need to be worried. I don't think it's, you know, some indication of, oh, this was wrong or this was never that good. I, I still contend. That was a pretty darn good football team, and they played some really good teams close, and they beat a couple of solid football teams this year. Wisconsin notably among them, but on the road. Don't forget that game. I know it wasn't the end of the year Cougars fans were looking for, but when you're in year one, 
for for a head coach, you got to allow for some growth, allow for some development. Mike Leach's first year with the Cougs, pretty sure he went three and nine. Jake Dickert, seven and six. Had more of a foundation to build on for sure, but these sorts of things take time, just like they have over at Oregon State, which was the easiest bet of the year in the preseason for their over-under win total of five and a half, courtesy of our friends at Bet Online, your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there, from pro football to college bowl season to basketball and the World Cup, which, oh my, what a game on Sunday. We've got it all at betonline.net. If you love sports podcasts, you can even find those at BetOnline as well. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting information. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline is where the game starts. So... Oregon State. Um, it's not a traditional Saturday of college football that I can recap on here where we have winners and losers and everything in between as we did all season long. But boy, Oregon State would be in the winners department because they took on a depleted, sure, Florida team out of the SEC that was six and six and somehow beat Utah early in the year. I think it's a testament to how much of a fluke that really was. I know they were missing a lot of players, but That still wasn't that great of a Florida team. And the great news for Oregon State is they made them look like they weren't that great of a team. And they made them look like they were missing a bunch of players. And if you're looking at this game and how it played out and thinking, wow, Oregon State doesn't deserve that much credit. Florida was missing a bunch of guys. Florida, nah, nah, nah. Florida, blah, blah, blah. Imagine what the SEC fanboys would have been saying if Florida had found a way to win that game. Boy, just goes to show you. SEC, we just, just means more. We just got more talent up and down. We don't even have to send our A-team out there and we beat one of your better teams. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but instead, this is kind of what was expected in a sense. That's what our Locked On Gators host Brandon Olson was prepared for, and that's certainly what he got, an utter beatdown that was, for all intents and purposes, a shutout. It was never particularly close. And I gave Florida's offense even too much credit. I thought the final score would be 28-13. to 13. Instead, it was 30-3. to 3. It was 30-3. to 3. And if you're Oregon State, once you had all the opt-outs for Florida and the players who were leaving the transfer portal... Suddenly, they found themselves in an unfamiliar position. There's pressure on them to win the game. There was unquestionable pressure. The upside for Oregon State was there in the building, but outside the building, all the pressure was on the Beefs. There's no upside to people that are not fans of the Pac 12 to Oregon State really winning that game. But there was a ginormous downside, and Oregon State put all that to bed. And if you're a Beaver fan listening to or watching this, I imagine you feel really good today. You beat a couple of teams out of the Mountain West that played in the Mountain West Championship game. You beat them both to start the year. Very nearly beat USC. You came back and beat Oregon on the road, or at home, rather, to end the year. And then you ended it with a bowl game victory, against a, sure, depleted Florida team. But ask yourself this question. 
If you're saying, oh, it doesn't mean anything. It's nothing. You know, Florida didn't have a bunch of players. If you were a good, and I mean like an actually good, well-coached, capable football team, and you are playing a 6-6 six and six Florida team that has a bunch of players departing, what would that game look like? It would look something exactly like how that game played out. Quarterback making his first start. Yeah, he was a deer in headlights. No miracle performances here. No, that Oregon State defense showed up against talent on the other side of the ball that, experienced or not, was certainly outstarred and outrecruited coming out of the high school ranks. But that Oregon State program with Jonathan Smith and Trent Bray, the defensive coordinator, who's looking like one of the best DCs in the country right now. It was a slow build. It was a developmental process. And all they did is put their heads down when they got there, taking over a one-win team, and they just got to work. And they were just chipping away, like hacking down a tree. Boom, 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 year after year. And this year, that tree finally came down, And the result was the third 10-win season in program history and the first since 2009. They win their first bowl game since 2013. How could you not be thrilled with where the program's at? And the culmination of a five-year rebuild to get to this point is something that has to be for Beaver fans, which you all know I'm not intensely satisfying and gratifying and it should be that's not an easy thing to do at any program let alone at Oregon State look at where the program was look at where it is right now I mean there were no expectations there were no you know reasonable goals of a of a winning season or a conference championship appearance which is probably their next big glass ceiling to break through. There was none of that. It wasn't even coming out of the side of people's mouths when Jonathan Smith took it over. And now, going into 2023, off of a 10-3 and season in which they beat Oregon, Oregon State has expectations. And it's going to be a fascinating offseason number one, but also a fascinating 2023 season. When was the last time Oregon State had expectations of competing for a chance to get in the conference championship game. That's where their mindset's going to be. And based on the season they just had and the team they'll have coming back, it's hard to look at it and argue the point. It's hard to look at it and say, that's a reasonable, attainable goal. Was it this year? Yeah, kind of in hindsight. But what were Oregon State fans hoping for before the season began? Let's win more games than last year. Eight and four, that'd be great. It'd be another step in the rebuild. Nine and three would be outstanding. See what bowl game you get to. You go nine and three, you get to the bowl game, and you dominate. The the year really could not have gone that much better for Oregon State. Yes, you could have won the USC game. You also very easily could have lost the Oregon game. You could have won the Washington game, but you could have lost the Stanford game. You could have lost the Fresno State game. You're going to have a lot of close games over the course of a season. And when you're a great team, when you get to that level, you don't have as many of them. And that's how you win 11, 12 games in a year. And that's the question now for Oregon State. 
is they have established themselves the last couple of seasons as a good team. Seven and five last year, make a defensive coordinator adjustment, clearly the right move. And they were a really good team this year. Said it all season long. I bought them from the preseason. I said five and a half, that's an easy over. They almost doubled that win total. Almost doubled that win total. But now the question becomes, what do you do now that you've gotten to this point? Right? For, for those of us out there that work in a professional sphere, as I do, that has a lot of movement and, and mobility to an extent, I often find myself asking the question whether I'm, you know, at a new job or have a new gig or anything like that. You know, once, once I get there, you know, if something's been a goal, then what? How do you take that next step? Because Oregon State has taken all of these steps, but now they have to take the next step up. And that's something that they haven't done as a program ever. Since the Pac-12 began, Oregon State is one of three programs to never play in the conference championship game. Cal and Washington State are the other two. Oregon's been there several times. Washington's been there. Stanford's been there. USC and UCLA have both been there. Utah, Colorado, and both the Arizona schools. That's the next step for them. But right now, Oregon State fans, they're just enjoying it. They're just enjoying it. And you know what? They weren't ever close to a college football playoff this year, and they didn't get to the conference championship game. But the beauty of college football is how much I can assure you, every single Oregon State fan, and a bunch of them showed up to the Las Vegas Bowl, which full credit to the Beavs for doing that. Fantastic scene for them there in Las Vegas, and the team put on a show for them. Is they're going to look at that 10-3 and record and say, is this the first major building block of elevating the program to that next level where they haven't been before? We're going to find out. What a season for the bees. Appreciate everyone listening. I will see you next time and have a wonderful rest of your day.